excited to hear uh, many, many people lift up the name of Jesus in their native tongue and in their native language, and, and God's going to be doing some incredible things. Well, let's, uh, let's take a moment, let's pray, and then we're going to jump into God's word today. Jesus, we thank you. God, thank you for what you're doing, not only in this church, but around this world. God, help us to open our eyes today to see how we can be part of the bigger picture, the bigger plan of your great commission to go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hey, it is Missions Month. Uh, as you can see, scattered around this building, we've got pictures of, uh, of every nation, of every people in this, uh, in this place. We've got maps scattered around, and, and we're believing God to use us to do incredible things uh, in this world and how we can partner uh, with the church as a whole to reach this world to do the great commission that God has called us to. And so today, we're going to be looking at one way that we can do that beyond uh, financially supporting our missionaries, but how we can be prayer support for our missionaries, how we can pray for our missionaries around the globe uh, so that God can use us to do incredible things, even if we're not boots on the ground. So that's where we're going to be looking. So if you've got your Bibles today, I want you to open them up to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, and we're going to be looking at the very first missionary journey uh, that happened, the first church that sent a missionary, because I believe that as we look at this story, we're going to see how we can uh, as a church, participate in, in the global sense of missions. So Acts chapter 13, we're going to start with verse number 1. Uh, let's read that here this morning. It says this, Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, who we, we learned last week he was a guy named Paul. Kind of had two different names going on for him. Saul later would become Paul, wrote a lot of this book, uh, uh, a lot of the books of the Bible. Uh, verse 2, it says this, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Now, uh, we, we see in here, again, these are the first missionaries, this is the first call to, to missions. They're all worshiping together, they're together in this place. It said there was prophets and teachers, kind of like we see in the Bible, God's called some to be prophets, prophets, some to be teachers, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors. Uh, all these different things, all these gifts coming together. So they're there, they're the church, they're worshiping Jesus with everything they have. It says they're fasting, they're praying, they're lifting up the name of the Lord. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes in and he says, hey, Set aside for me uh, Barnabas and Saul, or Paul and Barnabas. Set aside both of them for me because I've got a mission for them. I've got a great work for them to do, right? So if you've ever wondered, you know, why, why do missions matter so much at this church? Why do we keep talking about it? Why do, we, why do we do this? Why do we give towards missions? Well, because number one, right, Jesus commanded us to go to the ends of the earth, and that applies to us today too. And number two, we see this modeled by the early church. The early church demonstrated how God would call people from among them and send them out uh, to go into all the world. And I believe that as our church is faithful, as God finds us fasting and praying and, and praising him, I believe the Holy Spirit's going to call people in this church to, to go into all the world. I believe that. I, I believe that even today, God could call someone in these pews saying, you know what, I, I feel a call and I think we need to be sent out. We need to go. So I want to look at one of the main roles that the church had in this missions trip. 
is I want you to notice what they did when they learned of, of Paul and Barnabas, this call. It says that they fasted, they prayed, and they sent them off. And this is a model that we can follow as a church with our missionaries. Uh, right now, we support about 40 missionaries and missions organizations, and, and we support them every month. We give financially so that we can send them off, we can get them on the field, and they can stay there, and they can reach people for Jesus. And we're going to be looking at how we can do that another week. But uh, just as important or even more important is we need to be prayer support for our missionaries. We need to pray that God is going to use them uh, in powerful ways, that God's going to protect them. And, and so it says a few things to hear. They did fasting, right? They started with fasting. If you don't know what fasting is, it's, it's giving up food for a period of time. So they were fasting. They were saying, you know what, God, I need you I need you to do a work more than I need food for my body. That's how desperate I am. I want to focus my attention. It's not simply giving up food, but it's filling that with taking time to prayer. Uh, sorry, taking time to pray. Taking time to go to God and, and saying, God, I, instead of preparing a meal and eating, I'm going to take this time and I'm going to focus on you. Focus what you're doing around this globe. Because, Lord, we need you. We're desperate for you. So they fasted, and then they, it said that they prayed. They had this intercessory prayer. They, they laid their hands on, on Paul and Barnabas, and they asked God to do a great work on this mission's journey. We don't know the contents of that prayer, but they were going to heaven and asking God to do a great work in Paul and Barnabas' life. And this is why, as a church, we take time. Uh, to come together. When our missionaries come in over the next few weeks, we're going to lay our hands on them, we're going to pray, and we're going to send them off. We're believing that God is going to do something incredible through their ministry. So today, I want to take a few moments, and I want us to go through this missionary journey of Paul and Barnabas that we find in Acts chapter 13 and 14. And, and so I want you to put yourself in their shoes, all right? Picture today, you are now Paul and Barnabas. You can pick your favorite. How many Pauls we got out here? They want to be Paul today? All right. How about Barnabas? Who wants to be Barnabas? Some of you guys didn't vote. All right. You got you to pick one. All right. We need some Pauls and Barnabases out there. So I want you to put yourself in their shoes. Right. You are being sent off into a place where the gospel has never been preached, where there is no church. And so I want you to picture that this morning. So they start off in a town called Antioch. Right. They start off in a town called Antioch. This is where their church is. Uh, this is where they are. This is where they're prayed for. And it says that they take this little journey over to a town called uh, Seleucia. And Seleucia, this was the port city, right? And this is the moment where they decide, all right, we got to get on a boat and we've got to go. Because now uh, this is the farthest point north and the farthest point west that the church has ever been. They're going to go to a place where Jewish culture has been. Uh, they'll find synagogues and things like that, but they won't uh, have a, an established church there. People won't know about Jesus. They're going to be bringing the gospel there for the first time. This is kind of the point of no return. We get on that boat, there's no turning back, all right? So that's where we are right now. So they get on the boat, and they sail for the island of Cyprus. And the first city that they land in is a town called Salamis. Now, at Salamis, they would start a process that they would do every single time when they would come into a new city. They would go first and find uh, the Jewish synagogue, and they would sit there and, and look for an opportunity to preach the gospel. So that's what they did when they got to Salamis. They found a synagogue, they got in there, and they began to, to preach to the Jewish people there. And what's interesting about this time is 
Often when the Bible records in the book of Acts, when somebody would get up and preach and share the gospel, it would record uh, something like, and many people came to Jesus, and many believed, or and one person believed, and they won one convert. And what's interesting about this text is it says they got up and they preached, but it doesn't record anyone getting saved that day. Well, that's kind of disheartening, right? Here you are going out, uh, venturing to places where the gospel has never been preached, and you get there and you preach, you give it your all, and no one comes to Jesus. That's got to be discouraging. That's got to be uh, discouraging. That's got to be sad. It's like, oh, man, I gave an altar call and nobody came. Like, God, you might start questioning, is this really what you want us to do, God? Is this really uh, the place that you have for us? Is this the plan that you had? I, I can't imagine how they must have felt. We've given everything. God, we've left everything behind. And now here we go and we're doing this thing and it feels like no one's responding. See, it's in that moment that as a church, that church in Antioch, they were praying for encouragement. We need to pray for encouragement for our missionaries. They're going into places that might be difficult. Uh, they might try to reach people and, and nothing might happen for them. I've heard of missionaries who've gone into difficult regions and they've been faithful. They've prayed. They've told people about Jesus and nothing happened. No one was saved. And year after year, uh, no one's coming to Jesus. And, and we've got to continue praying because we believe God's going to do a great work. And then after a few years, it's like God opens the floodgates and, and things pour out and people start coming to Jesus. And we, we believe that that can happen. So we need to pray for our missionaries for encouragement. It also said on the, the island of Sal or the, the town of Salamis that, that uh, John Mark joined them on, on this journey so they wouldn't be so alone. So John Mark, uh, you may know him just as Mark, his second name there, because he wrote the book, The Gospel. Uh, of Mark. So now they've got this, this three-headed, uh, you know, missionary effort. They're, they're going, and, and it says that they wander the island. They go all throughout the island of Cyprus until finally they make it to the other side uh, in the, the town of Paphos. And in Paphos, they meet a guy named Sergius Paulus. And uh, he was kind of a special guy because it said he was the Roman proconsul, which kind of meant governor of the province there. And he reached out and he said, I want to hear about Jesus. Tell me what you got. Man, that's exciting. They go from a place where there's no recorded salvations, and now they go, and one of the leaders of this country, one of the leaders of this province is saying, tell me more about Jesus. I hear you got something to share. So they go and they begin uh, to share with Sergius Paulus about, about Jesus. But the problem is there's an attendant of his named Elimas, and he's a sorcerer. He's a sorcerer. He's being used in the demonic. And every time they would speak the name of Jesus, Elimus would be there telling uh, Sergius Paulus, don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. They're, they're wrong. And he'd start debating them and he'd start arguing with them. Right? See, when, when we go out, when we go out into all the world and start sharing the good news, you know what? The devil's not going to be happy about that. He doesn't want to lose territory. He doesn't want to lose people. He doesn't want people to wake up to the reality that Jesus came and died for them. And, and so, man, he sent everything he had at him. He, he sent Eliamis, the sorcerer, out there to, uh, so that Sergius Paulus wouldn't be swayed. So we need to pray. We need to pray for our missionaries against demonic forces. We need to pray. While the devil might have power, we know that as followers of Jesus Christ, we have access to a greater power than the devil can even dream of. And it says that Paul, full of the Holy Spirit, he looked at Elamis and he said, this is fun, all right? 
He said, you are a child of the devil and an enemy of all that is right. I mean, he called him like he saw him. You are full of lies and tricks, and you are against the Lord. So now the hand of the Lord is against you. You're trying to blind your boss from the light of the gospel. Now you're going to be blind from the light of the sun for a time. And just like that, Elimus was blinded. Man, how cool would that be to go out there? You know, who, where's my Paul's at out here? Anybody pick Paul, right? You just shouted at a guy and he got blinded because he was getting in the way of the gospel. And, and it said that in that moment, Sergius Paulus, this governor, he looked at that and he's like, wow, well, this is real. That God is real. And that was their first convert on their missionary journey. God used them in great power because they stood up against demonic forces. And guess what? Jesus won. Jesus won. And so they saw this. So that's why we've got to pray for our missionaries against demonic forces. God's going to do incredible things through them. Well, they set sail again, and they, they come to modern-day Turkey now, uh, but they come to a port city called Perga. And it was at this point that uh, John Mark, who had traveled with them, decided, ah, this journey just isn't for me. And he grabbed another ship and sailed back to Jerusalem. Now, it doesn't list why he left. You know, perhaps he looked at the journey ahead, and in, in Perga, you can see the, the Taurus Mountains, and he started thinking, man, this is going to be a pretty rough terrain. That's going to be tough. I don't know if I want to be out there uh, without shelter, without food. Uh, you know, there's danger of being robbed in the mountain passes. I know there's probably persecution that's going to be coming. You know, we don't know what it is, but we knew that the road ahead was going to be rough. And so he turned around and he went back home. You can imagine for our missionaries what it might be like to move to a new country uh, where there's new customs or there's new uncertainties. And it might be tempting to turn, and it might be tempting to run. But that's when we need, as a church, to pray for our missionaries, to pray that God would help them to finish the journey. Pray for strength to finish the journey. And I, I, I believe that the church in Antioch, they were praying for Paul, and they were praying for Barnabas every step of the way. God, help them to finish this journey. God, keep them encouraged. Keep them moving forward. God, God be with them against the forces of evil in this world. So they're, they're praying to finish the journey. So uh, John Mark leaves them, but they press on. They press on, and they go to a town. They go up north to a town, another town called Antioch. And so we label it as Pisidian Antioch because it's in the region of Pisidia. And the first stop that they had in this city was another synagogue. And so they go in, and, and again, you can read all this about this in, in Acts chapter 13 and Acts 14. And it says that they went in, and they didn't get up and speak right away. They just sat, and they listened. And they heard, you know, the law and the prophet being read and uh, all those different things. And, but eventually, a few people caught wind of why they were here, and, and they were given the opportunity to speak. They were asked, hey, will you come? Will you share? You've got some new teaching here. You've got some things that, that you want to share. Would you come and would you speak? You know, I think we need to pray for our missionaries uh, that, that God would open opportunities for them to share the gospel. Right? That they wouldn't have to go in there and force their way or... Uh, you know, tell people secretly, but they would actually be given opportunities. They've been given open doors to say, hey, would you come and would you share? We hear that, that something's great, great happened down in Cyprus, and we want to hear about it. Tell us about this Jesus that you're talking about. So let's pray for, for opportunities to share the gospel. Now, if you look at the second half of chapter 13, almost over half of chapter 13 is dedicated to the message that Paul got up 
and that he preached, that Paul and Barnabas shared. And they, they brought it all the way back to the Old Testament, to the Law and the Prophets, and they said, you know, Jesus is the fulfillment of this. Jesus came, and he lived a perfect life, and he died. He died as a sacrifice. He became the sacrificial lamb for us. And not only did he die, but he rose again. And now we can have forgiveness of sins. And he laid out the entire gospel message. And it was amazing. And, and people took notice, right? And he got up there, and he didn't just share like, well, you know, it was kind of. No, he got up there, and he preached boldly. You know, we need to preach, uh, we need to pray for boldness to preach the gospel for our missionaries. That, that God would, would just give them, a, fill them with the Holy Spirit and give them the boldness to, to preach, to go out there and, and share the good news and proclaim the good news. Well, it said that people were so intrigued by the message that Paul and Barnabas shared. They, they were so uh, captured by the passion and the boldness that they shared it with that they invited them back next week. Hey, would you come to synagogue next Sabbath and would you, would you share so everybody went back to their homes, and word began to spread. I mean, everybody was telling everybody, like, you got to come meet this guy named Paul and Barnabas. I mean, they've got some amazing things, and it really got me thinking, you should come on out. So the next Sabbath came around, and, and, uh, and McDonald's closed their doors that day. Walmart was a ghost town because there was nobody there. Everybody showed up to the synagogue that day to hear what was going on. The whole town did. The whole town. You know, earlier this summer, we were out. Uh, we went to a twins game with the men's group uh, in church here. And we, we got to the end of the game, and they announced the attendance that day. And it was like 28, 29,000, something like that. And got me thinking, that's Aberdeen in a stadium, like in one spot. Like you could fit our whole town. There's enough for 40,000 people. Can you imagine the whole town of Aberdeen coming out to hear about Jesus? Right? Can you imagine that? Wouldn't that be awesome? And, and that's what happened here in, in Pisidian Antioch. The whole town came out to hear about Jesus, and it said that they proclaimed the word of God boldly, and many people believed that day. See, I believe we need to be praying for our missionaries that whole towns will be one for Jesus. Like, let's just dream big. God, God, could you do that again? Could a whole city come out? Can a whole village come out? And can they hear about Jesus and like everybody get saved? How amazing would that be? Let's dream big. Let's pray that whole towns will be one for Jesus. But it didn't stop there, right? So the whole town comes out to hear about this. But now it says that the word of Jesus began to spread throughout the region, right? It wasn't Paul and Barnabas sharing Jesus anymore. Now it was, hey, we heard the message that Jesus said, and now we're telling other people. And they told other people, right? And word of mouth, it just began to spread and to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. So let's pray that the gospel would be spread organically, right? Let's pray that, that the gospel would go out, that our missionaries wouldn't have to sit there and babysit or anything like that, but literally they'd pass on the gospel and it would just explode in regions and in nations that they go and visit. So let's pray for that. Let's pray for that. Well, what's cool is that wasn't all that happened here in, in Antioch. That wasn't all that happened. It said that even more happened. It said that the new disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. You know, you don't have to be saved for a year to get filled with the Holy Spirit, right? You don't have to meet certain requirements. All you have to meet is, I need Jesus, right? And we all need Jesus and have that desire for Jesus. And so it said that the people in this town were not only saved, not only did they believe in Jesus, but now they're being filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, revival is coming to Antioch. This is amazing. This is awesome. So we need to pray. We need to pray that new believers would be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
right? We want to see the church grow. We want to see the church be planted. And what better way than, than to fill a bunch of people with the Holy Spirit? Come on, right? And, and so uh, now you have to understand, not everybody gave their life to Jesus in that town. There were some people that weren't too happy about this whole thing, right? Who are these people believing in Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit? We don't, we don't like this thing. And so they ran Paul and Barnabas out of town and said, hey, don't you come back, right? Uh, we're losing customers. We're losing business. We're, we're losing different things. So Paul and Barnabas slipped away. They went on to the next city of Iconium. And uh, in Iconium, it says that many people were, were coming to faith in Jesus. And, and Paul and Barnabas, they continued to, to preach the word of God boldly. And they stayed there for a while. And it says that as they stayed there, that God confirmed their message through signs and wonders. And how cool would that be? Not only are they preaching boldly, but they're seeing uh, incredible miracles happen. I think we need to pray for our missionaries for signs and wonders. We need to pray for signs and wonders. I mean, how, what a better way to lead people to Jesus than for them to see God's power, to see someone get healed, right? To, to see uh, God do the miraculous, the incredible. Jesus said to his disciples that if we believe in him, that we will do what he was doing. We'll do even greater things than what Jesus did. Think about that. Jesus healed the sick. He healed the blind. He calmed the storm. He multiplied food. He raised the dead. What if God used you to do that? What if God used you to do that? People are going to be start coming to Jesus because they see there is power in the name of Jesus. We need to pray for signs and wonders. You know, all during this time, again, people were getting jealous of, of Paul and Barnabas and the attention and the, the notoriety that they were receiving. They didn't like all of that. So they started to, to put together a plot to take down Paul and Barnabas. To, to, uh, they started pl plotting an assassination attempt. Well, Paul and Barnabas, they caught wind of this. And, and so they, they kind of snuck out and they head to the next town not too far away to a town called Lystra. Right? And if you thought that things were kind of crazy now, wait till you hear what happens in Lystra, because things get real crazy. Crazy good and crazy bad. Just all sorts of crazy happens in, in the city of Lystra. So Paul's he's preaching one day. Again, he goes to the synagogue, he's doing his thing. He's preaching one day, and he looks over and he sees a guy who's crippled. Now I don't know if he knew it or not, but he had been crippled from birth. He had never walked. But he saw, you know, in his spirit, God showed him. This man has the faith to be healed. So he looks over at this man and he says, stand up on your feet. And immediately the man pops up and he starts walking around. Right? People are going crazy. Like, how did that just happen? Uh, we know that guy. He, he doesn't know how to walk. This isn't smoke and mirrors. This isn't some sort of trick or some sort of plan. This is real. This is, this is the power of God. But the problem is they don't really have like a box to stick that in of what just happened. Right? We've never seen that. And so they had grown up serving different gods and different myths and different all of these things. In fact, they had a temple to Zeus in the town of Lystra. So they, they figured, you know what? This must be the gods come in flesh down to earth. And so they, they started uh, to view Barnabas as Zeus. And they viewed Paul because he was the chief speaker as Hermes. And they began sacrificing to them and worshiping them. Well, as you can imagine, Paul and Barnabas, they, they did not like that. They, they started, it said they tore their clothes and said, hey, no, it's Jesus. Jesus did this through us. We are not gods. You guys got to stop this. You, you can't do this. This is wrong. This is wrong. Don't do this. 
Well, the more they shouted out, all of a sudden the crowd decided to do a 180, right? Well, if you won't accept our worship, then we are going to put you to death. One second, they're worshiping them as gods. The next second, it said they took him outside the city and they began throwing stones at Paul. And they, they stoned him, right? So they're, they're throwing rocks at him, not, not just little pebbles, but rocks. They're hitting him with rocks until they thought he was dead. They thought they had murdered him. You know, as a church, we need to pray for safety from persecution for our missionaries. There are places in this world with our missionaries around the globe, they, they can suffer extreme persecution if anyone finds out that they believe in Jesus. That even sharing the name of Jesus is, is, is dangerous. And they risk persecution, they risk death. See, the crowd thought that Paul was dead. And they left him for dead. But then it says that the disciples gathered around, the believers gathered around, and miraculously Paul got up. And he went back into the town. Now, if I'm Paul... I don't go back into the town of the people that just tried to kill me, but that's what he did. He went back in, right? God did the miraculous. God rescued Paul from, from this, and he goes back into the town, and the next day, it says that they journeyed to a place called Derby. Now, Derby is, is the last or the farthest town uh, that they reached during their journey, and it said there, a large number of disciples were one. Nobody got put to death or anything, so that one was kind of just calm, you know, just a bunch of people believed in Jesus. Well, then after that, after they reached this point, uh, Paul and Barnabas got together and they thought, you know what, I think we need to go back to the cities that we've just been in to make sure that we can strengthen the believers, that they don't lose hope, that we can do that. So they, they journeyed back, they went back to Lystra, right, the town that they had just almost been murdered in. They went back to uh, Iconium, uh, the place where they saw miraculous signs and wonders. They went back to Pisidian Antioch and uh, saw that, that whole town, virtually the whole town that came to Jesus, and they went around to strengthen people, to strengthen believers. And they set up elders in the church. They planted the church. And just like the church had done for them back in the original Antioch, it said that Paul and Barnabas fasted and prayed for these leaders. Right? And so that's one thing we need to do as a church. We need to pray that the church would be established. We need to pray that the church would be planted. So that way, Paul and Barnabas don't have to stay there. They can keep going because the church has risen up elders and pastors and leaders that can reach their community that doesn't just last for a couple months or a couple weeks or a couple years, but it goes from generation to generation that that faith is passed down in their region, that the church is planted and it grows deep roots, right? That's what we need to pray for. Pray that the church would be established. That's what it is kind of funny, though, to think that here's this brand new church and you're establishing elders, somebody who got like saved a couple weeks before, right? But that's the way it was. This was awesome. People were hungry for God. And, and so it was just neat to see the church established. Well, after Antioch, he journeyed back down through the region of Pisidia and Pamphylia and went back to Perga, the place where John Mark had left him. And though it didn't say they preached the gospel there the first time, this time around, they preached the gospel. And they proclaimed boldly in the land of Perga. Uh, after that, they snuck over to another town called uh, Attilia, where they hadn't been before. And then from Attilia, they sailed back home to Antioch, back to the church. Uh, Lana, would you come? And so this is the first missionary journey. That, that's where they went. They did all these different things. Right? But let me tell you this. That journey wouldn't have happened. The experience they had wouldn't have happened unless the church back home was praying for them. It wouldn't have happened. 
They needed prayer support. Uh, we were just in prayer here a couple weeks ago on a, on a Wednesday, and I liked one way that somebody put it. You know, our missionaries are kind of like boots on the ground, but we're, we're air support, right? We're, we're air support through prayer support. And uh, when we pray, we, we're, we're there. We get to share in the stories that the missionaries got to go through, right? We're, we're there with Sergius Paulus and seeing them one to Jesus. Uh, we're there when uh, they preach and nobody comes to Jesus. We're there, right, when they start to lose hope. We're there for them. We're there when they're going through persecution. We're, we're there when we see many get saved, a whole town come to Jesus. In Acts chapter 14, starting with verse 26, we kind of see this all wrapped up and, and what it looks like. In verse 26, it says, again, from Italia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. It says in verse 27, on arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. So again, they, they got to go in and, and just share the stories. Guys, you were praying, and this is what was happening. Right? You were praying against demonic forces. Let me tell you the story. We faced the demonic. Jesus won. Thank you for praying. Right? You were praying that the church would be planted. Let me tell you what, oh, the church was planted. We, we established elders, and we believe God's doing great things. Hey, you were praying that whole cities would be one to Jesus? Let me tell you about another town called Antioch, right? God is blowing up in that place. So many things are, are happening. See, the journey doesn't happen, and it's not successful without prayer support. Again, because of prayer, they didn't give up when no one got saved. Because of prayer, they overcame demonic forces. Because of prayer, when John Mark left them, they didn't lose heart. They kept going forward. Because of prayer, doors opened for them to share the gospel. They didn't have to force their way in. They didn't have to kick the door down. God opened the door. Because of prayer, they preached boldly. Because of prayer, they, they saw a whole city won for Jesus. Because of prayer, the gospel threat spread organically throughout an entire region. Because of prayer, new believers were filled with joy. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Because of prayer, they saw signs and wonders. Because of prayer, they had the endurance and, and they miraculously survived persecution. Because of prayer, the church was planted. And that's why they went. Because of prayer. Church, we have an obligation to pray. We need to do that. We, our missionaries need prayer. They need prayer. They need our prayer support so that we can share in their stories. Right? When our missionaries come here over the the next couple weeks, the stories they share, they're your stories. They're your stories. Because we've been supporting them. We've been praying for them. And there's going to be many stories to come. It's also neat, again, we, we've got this, this door over here we talked about last month of all the different closed doors that we've experienced in our lives. Right? We're putting notes on there of, God, we want you to answer this. We want you to answer this prayer request. God, would you be with you? And, and it's neat that it uses the words in here that God opened the door. God opened a door that no one can shut. And we believe that God is going to do that in our missionaries. That God's going to open a door that no one can shut. That our missionaries are going to be able to spread the good news. So here's what I want us to do tonight. In responding to this message, I want to invite you back. We're going to pray for our missionaries tonight at 6 o'clock. And I want you to come, and we're going to have, again, several stations. We're going to be praying for, uh, for people to come to know Jesus. We're going to be praying for our world. We're going to be praying for our missionaries. 
And, and we're going to, again, have that missions emphasis tonight in our prayer. Just want to invite you back. You know, it said that they fasted and prayed. I, I challenge you. I challenge you. Fast supper tonight. Say, you know what? Instead of preparing a meal and eating it, I, I'm going to give that up and I'm going to focus on Jesus. I'm going to focus on telling this world about Jesus. And come out at 6 o'clock and, and let's pray together. Let's meet together. Let's, let's call down heaven in our world that God would do incredible things. He'd use our missionaries. He'd use us. Maybe he calls you into missions tonight. I, I don't know. But I challenge you, let's be praying for our missionaries. Uh, on the back side of your bulletin, every week, we, we put in there a focus on a missionary. And it tells you how to pray for them. There's a cool story of just how God is using some missionaries today. Take that home, and don't just read about it, but use that to pray for them each and every week. Right? They're our missionary focus, but really they're our prayer focus. That's what it's there for. So I challenge you, pray for our missionaries. Go out to that board uh, out in the foyer and look at all the different missionaries that we're supporting and let's be praying for them. When a missionary comes, grab their prayer card and, and put it somewhere noticeable. Let's pray for our missionaries. Well, would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray for you. And again, I want to pray for our world. And today, um, you know, after we pray, these altars are going to be open. If you want to come up and, and just spend some time in prayer, I encourage you to do that today if you don't know Jesus and you like to know Jesus just like all these people in, uh, in this region of Cyprus and in Turkey uh, got to hear all about Jesus you can do that today you can you can say Jesus I want to make you the Lord and Savior of my life and you can give your life to him today and your life will never be the same I encourage you to do that so uh, definitely come and, and find a place at this altar if you'd like uh, but I encourage you come back tonight at six o'clock and let's storm heaven for our missionaries let's be there first Let's pray today. Jesus, God, I thank you for this missionary journey. God, I thank you that it wasn't just Paul and Barnabas, but it was the whole church in Antioch. That was their prayer support. That was coming behind them. And God, I pray that we would be a, a mission-sending church, not just financially, but in prayer. God, that every day we would get on our knees and we would lift up missionaries to you. God, in every region of the map, God, we lift up, God, our missionaries who are over in in Eurasia, God, that you would move. God, in, in our missionaries in Asia Pacific and, and, and Northern Asia, God, we, we pray for our missionaries in Latin America, God, in, in the Caribbean. Lord, we, we pray for our missionaries in Africa and in Europe today, all across this map. God, we pray that they would be encouraged. God, that they wouldn't lose heart no matter what they're facing today. God, we pray that you would help them uh, to do the miraculous. God, that you would, uh, signs and wonders would follow their ministry, that many would come to know you, that whole towns and whole cities, God, would come to know you because they're over there giving their all, being faithful. God, we pray that new believers would be filled with your spirit. God, and, and an outpouring your spirit would come like never before, that revival would spark through towns and villages all across this world. God, that the gospel would be preached in places it's never been preached before, that, that many would come that open doors would happen to speak. God, give our missionaries the boldness and the timing and the, the right places to share your gospel. God, we thank you so much. And God, we just pray again, would you send us, move in our hearts, God, to reach this world, to fulfill your great commission to go into all the world, to preach the good news to every nation, to every person. We thank you, Lord. Be with us as we leave this week. Uh, God, as we come back together tonight in prayer, God, would you do the miraculous? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock. Again, these altars are open. I encourage you. Come spend some time with Jesus.